is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Today's case was recommended to us by Morgan, or at least I believe your name is Morgan because somehow my message to you was deleted, so I'm so sorry about that. But either way, thank you so much for recommending this case. I had never heard of this one before, and after you guys do, it will make you just as confused and frustrated as it has made us and Shane's family for more than a decade. We also wanted to say thank you to a family friend of the Donahues who provided a lot of information for today's episode uh, because this case is still unsolved, and we want to ask everybody to please share this story. It desperately needs attention, and we feel justice is right around the corner here. Yes, so thank you everybody so much for tuning in. Hope everybody is having a great start to their week, and let's get into this one. All right, guys, this is episode 187 of Going West, so let's get into it. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In March of 2010... A 23-year-old man was leaving his parents' house in a rural part of Northern Virginia when he disappeared forever. Between an online battle of allegations and prominent figures in the community, 
this case is extremely bizarre. It's now been more than a decade with no answers. This is the story of Shane Donahue. Ryan Donahue was born on August 22, 1986, to parents Donna and Brian Donahue in Noakesville, Virginia. And Noakesville is known as a CDP, which stands for Census Designated Place. And it's located within Prince William County and has a population of a little less than 1,500 residents. So it's pretty small. And most would consider this a rural area surrounded by farmland. And in 2010, when this story takes place, there were only 488 households in the entire CDP. Noakesville is also located about an hour west from the much larger city and U.S. capital of Washington, D.C. So this is where Shane grew up with his older brother, Sean, and his younger sister, Cheyenne. And Shane's father, Brian, owns a plumbing company called Parkway Plumbing, Inc., and his mother Donna worked at a local sheriff's office as a 911 dispatcher for many years but has since retired. Shane was known by his family members as Bubba. This is what they always called him. This is a nickname that they gave him. And in fact, only his school friends and those who didn't really know him that well called him Shane. So he was known as Bubba. But obviously for the sake of this episode, we are going to call him Shane. So he was known as very protective over his family, especially his mother, who he loved dearly, as well as his little sister. He stood tall at six foot three and was also known to be very goofy, and uh, joking around with his family was one of the greatest joys in Shane's life. He attended Brentsville District High School, home of the Tigers, right there in Noakesville. And by the way, this is like the only high school in Noakesville, so... Uh, Makes sense. It's a really small it's a town. Very, yes, so. it's a very small place. And he loved to golf, watch the Philadelphia Eagles play, and his favorite artists to listen to were Biggie and Tupac. After graduating from high school in 2004, Shane moved into a duplex on Aiden Road, which just so happens to be right down the street from his parents' house. Just after high school, Shane was working for a surveying company in the area, but he had dreams of joining the Coast Guard, so he decided to take the test to join. He passed the vocational aptitude test, but when it was time to take his physical exam, sadly, he was turned away due to a knee injury that he acquired while playing football in 11th grade. So really sad because that's, you know, something he really wanted to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so sad when anybody has some kind of injury, even in music or whatever it will be, where they're unable to do what they're passionate about. So. You know, that's really when Shane began working for a ceiling company in Noakesville installing drop ceilings, also known as T-bar ceilings or grid ceilings. And you guys are probably familiar with these type of ceilings. They're like the kind that you would see in like a high school classroom that you could like push up. We all just got a visual. Yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody could push push them up and hide yeah. stuff up in there. Right. Did you ever do that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I had some friends like hide weed and stuff up in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Shane was also taking some various IT classes at Northern Virginia Community College, which is somewhat nearby, about 30 miles away. And even though he did have his own place, he would always make sure that he was home for family dinner 
every night because that was something that was really important to him. Yeah, and he was so close anyway. You yeah, know, he was right down the street. Might as well go hang out with the family. So then sometime in the late 2000s, Shane's mother, Donna, was sadly diagnosed with stage 3 breast and colon cancer. And this made Shane even more protective over his mother. Shane was a really good kid. He had never been in serious trouble with the law. He did have a few traffic violations, and he had been charged with marijuana possession a few times back in 2006 and 2009. But other than that, his record was clean. So nothing nothing super bad here. And um, he was also known to be very responsible and kind-hearted, and that's just what everyone loved about him. He was young and still figuring out what he wanted to do with his life. And we did read a rumor that Shane had sold small amounts of marijuana, but it appears that he wasn't into anything serious as far as we know. Yeah, and we have to remember this is also 2004. So nowadays, a lot of uh, marijuana is legal in a lot of Hit states. the dispensary. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't like that back in, in my day, especially. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. But an old roommate of Shane's was busted for distribution of narcotics by the FBI, according to one article we read, but... It didn't state when this occurred or if this person had been living with Shane at the time of his arrest. People who lived in Noakesville at the time said on various online forums that opiate pills had become a problem in the area. So this could have been what the article was talking about. Yeah, with this roommate. Right, but but again, this doesn't really have anything to do with Shane in particular because we didn't read or learn anything about him selling it. It was just the marijuana as far as we know, most likely. Yes, so on March 22nd, 2010, 23-year-old Shane Donahue was in good spirits because he had just been paid $5,000 for a job that he had done installing ceiling tiles at Colgan Air, which was an American-certified regional airline company that later became Pinnacle Airlines Corporation a few years later. So that day, he was with a friend and someone who helped him out with this particular job a young man named Timothy Sean Hickerson, who everyone called Timmy. They arrived to Shane's parents' house on Aiden Road sometime in the afternoon in Timmy's family's blue box truck that was used for his family's business, which is Hickerson Brothers Electric. Timmy's father was the co-owner of the company, and I'm assuming that his uncle uh, was the other co-owner, just for reference, and the company has been in business since 1991. So right around 3.45 p.m. that day, which again was March 22, 2010, Shane left his parents' house telling his mother that he loved her before getting into the passenger seat of Timmy's box truck. Donna watched as her son drove away down the road, knowing that in just a few minutes he'd be dropped off at his own place. But after Shane left, he was never seen again. Shane had two prepaid cell phones that he used, and within 10 minutes of leaving his parents' house, both of those cell phones went dead. Police stated that either they were shut off on purpose or that they somehow went dead at the exact same time, which does not seem very likely. But given the circumstances of this case and the fact that I highly doubt two phones would die in the exact same moment, we're led to believe that someone purposefully turned them off. Shane had paid Timmy $1,000 for assisting him with the Colgan Air job, which means that Shane would have had $4,000 cash on him at the time of his disappearance. Because remember, he got paid $5,000, gave $1,000 to Timmy, would have had $4,000 left. 
And it wasn't immediately known that Shane had gone missing until a few days later when his parents couldn't get a hold of him. They really began to panic at this point and decided to head over to his duplex on the 23rd or 24th of March, so a few days after they last saw him. And for anyone who's wondering, oh, well, didn't they notice that he was gone during family dinner? We don't know if he was there every single night, but he was there most nights. So maybe when he didn't show up, it wasn't that weird. But when his parents entered his home, the lights and TV were still on. So they contacted police and filed a missing persons report. Law enforcement and family confirmed that Shane would not have left on his own and nothing of importance was missing either. His mother Donna stated, quote, Bubba would never leave me like this. And since Timmy Hickerson was the last person to see Shane, suspicion quickly fell on him and he immediately became a person of interest. Yeah, so, you know, just going back to the fact that Shane would never leave his family like this, his mother also had cancer. So, and he was very, very protective over her. He would have never just ditched out on life and left his mother in that in that way. Yeah, I mean, even just the detail of he goes home for family dinner, he's 23 years old, you know, he doesn't have to do that. He can go off and do his own thing whenever he wants. So clearly he loves his family a lot and would not just, you know, kind of piss off like this. Yeah, totally. And again, they didn't find anything missing from his home, anything that he would have needed to be out on his own. Right. So a little bit about the Hickersons. The Hickerson family had been living in Noakesville for many generations. And Timmy's father not only owned their electric business in the town, but he was also a volunteer fire chief for the city. The family was so prominent in this area that they even had their own road named Hickerson Lane. Dang. So yeah, that just means, you know, this family goes back a, a while in yeah. this particular area. If they have a road named after exactly. them, yes. So at the time of Shane's disappearance, the Hickersons all lived on a big property with a house and a few trailers. And according to a family friend of Shane's, their property was, quote, walked, but never... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. Fully searched or... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volix XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, 
This improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Investigated. And by the way, Shane was 23 at the time of his disappearance, but Timmy is 28, so he's like five years older than Shane. So upon this investigation, local police didn't even so much as bring in tracking dogs as far as we know, and that was the only time that this property was walked. There was, however, one other property located at Headings and Fleetwood Drive that was searched by the FBI, but it was never uh, revealed why this was done, not even to the Donahue family, so they don't even know why the FBI was at this other house during this investigation. But anyway, it definitely appears that the Hickerson family had some sort of pull within this community, and when investigators approached Timmy about his potential involvement in Shane's disappearance, he refused to speak to them at all and maintained his innocence. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. 
Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. So when we left off, Timmy was approached by investigators regarding Shane's disappearance, and he refused to speak to them, and he maintained his innocence, which I gotta say, Heath, when people refuse to talk to the police and just say, I have nothing to do with that, especially considering Timmy and Shane were kind of friends. They knew each other. So for for the police to say, hey, Shane is missing, he was last seen with you, and for Timmy, Timmy's first reaction not to be oh my god like what what happened how can i help is very suspicious yeah and and also the fact that timmy's the last person to see shane alive yeah and and he's not trying to give the information of oh i dropped him off at this time that was the last time i saw him you're just not saying anything right right exactly and that's kind of the point here is that you would assume that timmy would be like yeah i dropped him off this day at this time on march 22nd he was totally fine when he walked into his house. You know, we didn't get any of that. Right. And, you know, I know you guys are probably wondering, who is Timmy? How does he know Shane? Sadly, we don't have a lot of that information because we did get much of this information from a family friend. There's almost nothing about this case online. So just so you guys know, we're not really sure. We can assume that, you know, they had mutual friends. They both grew up in this tiny freaking town. So... How do you not know each other? Right, yeah, exactly. I think exactly. it's the better question, maybe. Exactly. Kind of everybody knows everybody within this community. Exactly. So very suspicious right off the cuff that he's just kind of shutting the door on that. Yeah, and I will say, you know, I did as much research as I could on this case, and I tried to get as much information as I could from this family friend. But at the end of the day, there was not hardly any coverage of this case. Which is why we're covering it. So that we can kind of potentially help uh, spread the word a little bit, you know? Exactly, because it really needs it. Absolutely. So here's where things get even more sketchy. Two days before Shane disappeared, on Saturday, March 20th, 2010, he had been attending a local party at a friend's house when a fight ensued between him and a man named Brian Mitong. Now, according to a family friend of the Donahues, that very same night, Shane's duplex was broken into and medication, as well as other things, were stolen. This was just two days before he disappeared. Right. And we read that the intruders were looking for money 
and had also taken a pair of Shane's girlfriend's underwear, which is fucking weird. Yeah, this was mentioned on a thread, so I can't confirm if it's true or not, but this is what somebody said was stolen from Shane's house. And for clarification as well, Shane did have a girlfriend, but we don't know her name, and she was not living with him at the time of his disappearance. So Shane's mother, Donna, later said that Shane was very visibly upset by this break-in. Of course, I mean, somebody goes into your apartment and they take stuff not cool at all. And it's believed that the perpetrators responsible for this burglary were Brian Mitong's brother, remember, the brother of the guy that Shane got into a fight with, and none other than Timmy Hickerson. But we don't know if Shane knew this at the time. So we don't know if Shane knew that Timmy was the one who broke into his apartment until later, because obviously why would you trust him with a job that you're doing with him if right. he knew that he broke into your duplex? Well, and there was so so little time between when this occurred and when he disappeared. So, you know, it, it takes time to look into these kinds of things. And it's, it's just believed that they were behind this. Yes. And it's also believed that the fight at the party between Brian and Shane only occurred to stall Shane from leaving the party and returning home while the burglary was in progress. So potentially, Brian had picked a fight with Shane so that he could keep him busy while his brother and Timmy went off and broke into his place. Exactly. So it definitely feels like there is some sort of conspiracy going on here. Yeah, and there's a lot of rumor that goes around through the community, which we're also going to talk about here in a minute. So after Shane disappeared, his cell phones were never used again, and his bank account was never accessed again. Which is obviously like the biggest red flag ever. Exactly. Also, Shane's cell phones were never located as well. So police were never able to find these two cell phones that Shane had. Which again, as we you know remember, both turned off at the same time 10 minutes after he left his parents' house with Timmy. No. Suspicious. So police conducted a search of his duplex that included forensic testing and luminal testing for any sort of DNA or possible blood spatter, but unfortunately, nothing was ever found. Cadaver dogs were brought in and police searched parks, lakes, ponds, and more, but nothing was ever discovered in the search for Shane. They even went so far as to drain a local quarry, but Shane was nowhere to be found. I should also mention that Shane did not own a vehicle, so he would often get rides to various places by friends or family. Hence getting a ride from Timmy from his parents' house the day he disappeared. Yes. But shortly after Shane went missing, something happened that made police even more suspicious. On April 22nd, 2010, so one month to the day since Shane had last been seen, Timmy Hickerson broke into a guns and ammo warehouse located at 10951 Noakesville Road in Noakesville. That night, he tore out a section of metal beneath a window pane at the warehouse, but he was unable to successfully enter the property that way. So, he decided to break the glass to the business directly next door, which was adjoined with the gun store, and this was a nail salon, and he was finally able to enter. He ended up stealing a rifle and a suppressor. Then a month later, on May 29th, Timmy broke into the guns and ammo warehouse again by smashing the back door, and from there he stole six firearms and silencers. It's just so weird considering he is a part of this prominent family, and again, this very small town of 1,500 people, 
And he's breaking into local businesses? Yeah, and this is right after Shane goes missing, like a month after Shane goes missing. It's just weird. The very next day on May 30th, 2010, Timmy tried to break into the Virginia Arms Store located on Center Street in Manassas at 10 p.m., but upon doing so was recognized by employees who knew him to be a regular there. So the employees realized that someone had tried to break in the previous night and was unsuccessful. So on the night of the 30th, they actually stayed the night at the store thinking that maybe the burglar would come back again. And sure enough, he did. They heard Timmy trying to pry open the back door so the employees confronted him with guns in his face. Timmy then tried to run to his car and get away, but his car door wouldn't unlock. So he decided to run into a nearby wooded area and he was eventually caught there by law enforcement. And again, he was 28 at the time of his arrest, making him five years older than Shane, just as a reminder. And also, Manassas is located seven miles northeast of Noakesville, and it's much larger, hosting about 41,000 residents. So if you lived in the rural area of Noakesville and you kind of maybe wanted to go out to dinner or go shopping, you'd probably go to Manassas. But anyway, back to the story. So Timmy Hickerson was eventually caught for his crimes, which consisted of attempted burglary, grand larceny, three counts of destruction of property, and three counts of statutory burglary, and he served a four-year sentence, which began in 2011. And after he was released from prison, he moved down to Florida. I mean, this is a lot of crimes. Yeah, it is. And... You know, the hard part about this is that when he got out of prison, all we really know is that he moved to Florida. And this is information I got from this family friend of the Donahues. Right. So I, I did everything I could to find, you know, a Facebook page for Timmy or an Instagram page or something like that. Could not well, find it, anything. I have to say, though, it kind of makes sense. He's this criminal. He is a person of interest in a disappearance. And now he has moved to a different state after he spends four years in prison. Right. So Shane's disappearance sparked a lot of rumors and divisiveness within Noakesville. Of course, this is a small community. There's a lot of rumors going on of where Shane could be. Missing persons flyers were put up for Shane in the community and in different counties, but a lot of these flyers were either ripped down or vandalized. That always creeps me out when that is a detail in a case because, weirdly enough, that comes up here and there in missing persons cases where people literally rip down the signs, which just is so creepy to me. Yeah, it's like, what it's are like, what are your intentions yeah, for doing this? Why would why would anybody do that unless, you know, potentially it's the perpetrator or somebody who knows who did it and they want people to stop talking about it? Right, right. Yeah, it's very suspicious in our eyes. So then a Facebook page called Help Find Shane Donahue was created by Shane's family which acted as a resource for people with information to come forward and share the information that they have. And, you know, this was 2010 when social media had become a tool for many people. You know, it's the age of the internet, and it was in full swing. So the Donahues were using this as a way to get the word out about Shane. But this wasn't the only platform that was used to help spread the word. There's a local chat site called Fairfax Underground, which is described as, quote, a project site designed to improve communication among residents of Fairfax County, Virginia. So it's almost like, you know, this kind of local 
chat site where you can talk to other people from this area. And then this uh, website goes on to say, feel free to post anything Northern Virginia residents might find interesting. Well, on April 5th, 2010, so a few weeks after Shane went missing, someone posted. And they posted, does anyone know what happened to him? With the header titled, help find Shane Donahue. This particular post on the thread went on to say, quote, Friends and family and all of Northern Virginia, this group has been created to spread the word for the search of Shane Donahue, last seen on Monday, March 22nd, 2010. Age, 23. Height, 6'3". Weight, 185 pounds. Eyes, brown. He was last seen Monday, March 22nd, 2010. Supposedly, he was dropped off at his house. And the next few posts seem to be in support of finding Shane, saying things like, quote, Why hasn't this gotten more media coverage? I don't get it. And what's the deal with Hickerson? But then, months later, on October 1st, 2010, one poster wrote, quote, I killed that piece of shit and buried him in a shallow grave just outside of Sterling. Look for that F-word Shane's decomposing body next to a stop sign off of Route 23. And, you know, obviously we're saying F-word, but I think you guys probably know what word we're talking about. Yeah, and it does go on from there. but It doesn't go on very far. Not very far, but it's extremely graphic, so we decided to leave it out. But if you are interested and checking out this thread. It's on Fairfax Underground. You can find it if you search Fairfax Underground and then Shane Donahue. It's just basically saying like what he did to his body and it's just, it's really gross and we just don't want to say it. It's just like such a messed up thing to say. And I mean, overall, this is just such a fucked up thing, you know, to to type because we can probably assume that the person writing this is not the killer because I mean, how stupid would you be to be the killer and type this up right. on a forum where maybe your IP can be tracked or whatever? Yeah. I mean, this is insane. Yeah. It's, so it's, it appears that there's a lot of trolls on this particular thread. Which is the worst part. I mean, how dare you be a troll and say this about a person who is missing? And it, I, I got to say, though, it's pretty specific. Like... Um, I killed that piece of shit and buried him in a shallow grave just outside of Sterling. Look for his decomposing body next to a stop sign off of Route 23. Like, that's really specific. Yeah, extremely specific. So, so maybe does this person know what happened to Shane and either they were a part of it or they heard what happened? Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest mysteries, I think, of this of this thread is like, who is this person that's posting? Yeah. And this isn't the only time that this person posts. Oh, I'm so mad right now. I know, I know. And it's not the only time that this person posts this like really degrading stuff about not only Shane, but the Donahue family altogether. And we don't know who this person is, right? Yeah, we don't know who this person is. God, that makes me so angry. You know, and first of all, fuck this person who is making these posts. But it does make you wonder if this is just a troll or if this person possibly has a connection to the Hickerson family. Right, and I mean, this post started a huge argument on the forum, as Heath kind of just mentioned, of people both supporting the Donahues and the Hickersons. Like, if you if you go and you look at that Fairfax Underground thread, you'll see that there are both people, like, just, just both sides going at each other, like, aggressively. And also, we want to be clear that the Donahues personally have always tried to stay out of the drama within the community regarding the case because their main goal is finding Shane. 
But as we kept reading these just very ugly comments made on Fairfax Underground, we read one that said, quote, Attacking a family so viciously like you have attacked the Hickersons is outrageous. They have lived in this community for a long time. One person's problems are not a reflection of the entire family. This is not how this community behaves. I have always been a supportive neighbor, customer of their businesses, and will stand beside them in this time of strife. If you are not careful, people will find out who you people are and you will not be able to show your faces in this town. Yeah, so that kind of seems a little uh, like threatening, sort of. I just feel like everybody should be feeling bad for the Donahues because what was said about their son, who is still actively missing, was just outrageous. And another comment said, I am completely outraged. This is help find Shane Donahue, and if you are not doing just that, don't write on this forum. You claim slanderous statements made about the Hickersons on here, yet you continuously victimize the Donahue family. If the Hickerson boy is innocent, then why do you continue victimizing this forum? What do you have to worry about? You are a cowardly bully. And we couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with this person. It is not about Timmy on, or or even defending Timmy on here. It's about giving information to help find Shane. Yeah, exactly. This isn't a pointing fingers. Unless you have, so sorry, unless you have information against Timmy that you have that pertains to the case directly. Which in that case, you probably shouldn't be posting you on Fairfax Underground. Police, yeah, yeah. Just go straight to the police. Yeah, exactly. So many believe that the reason Shane's case hasn't had good traction is because the Hickerson family has ties to the community and has had them for a very long time, as we mentioned earlier. I was told that the Hickersons have used their power to scare many people. Now, this is information that I've received, so I cannot personally verify it. But if it is true, there needs to be more done to help solve this case. As of recently, the Noakesville Police Department has a new chief, and that's created much more progress in Shane's case. And the family believes that law enforcement are definitely onto something. The family friend that I've been speaking with about this case told me that the rumors of what happened to Shane spread far and wide and echoed through the halls of the local high school. And it almost became some sort of like myth-like mystery with a lot of speculation, as we've been talking about speculation pretty much this entire time. So after Shane's disappearance, there were also a number of drug-related overdose deaths within this community in the following months, which some believe could have something to do with organized crime in this area and potentially what happened to Shane. Ever since Shane disappeared, his parents Brian and Donna mark their calendars every day he's gone. They also have a giant white sign outside of their house that says, We Miss Shane, and underneath it says, Missing Four and then the number of days, which now has been well over 4,000. In 2013, investigators decided to take another look at Shane's duplex and even emptied a septic tank on the property, but nothing was discovered. Then in 2017, human remains were found in Noakesville and police were hopeful that they belonged to Shane. But sadly, after testing was done, it was determined that they did not belong to him. Shane's mother Donna is still alive today, but she is now dealing with lung cancer, and it's made it extremely hard for her to fight for justice. But the entire family is praying 
that one day they will finally know the truth. Donna still buys Shane things that remind her of him, and every year the family gets together on Shane's birthday to celebrate with cake and ice cream, which just breaks my heart, just that she buys things that makes her think of him, and they celebrate him, and they they just have no idea what happened, and there's this person out there who saw him last that is not cooperating. Yeah, and who's potentially responsible. But tragically, in 2019, Shane's younger sister Cheyenne passed away unexpectedly. So now the family is grieving the loss of two children, which is hard to even imagine. Donna and Brian highly believe that Shane is deceased, and they've even purchased a burial plot for him. But they still want to bring him home and are still searching for answers. I mean, it really just makes you wonder what could have happened because, of course, the only logical place for our minds to go is, is Timmy involved? Because, like we've said many times in this episode, we have no idea what happened to Shane after he left his parents' house with Timmy, and Timmy is not telling police what he last saw of Shane. Or, like you said earlier, I dropped Shane off at his house and he walked inside and seemed totally fine, and Maybe someone was waiting for him in his house and Timmy has nothing to do with this. But we can't move on to the next theory until we clear Timmy out of the way. Exactly. But then it just makes you wonder, I mean, we know that something happened to Shane within 10 minutes of leaving his parents' house. We also know that he lived just up the street from his parents' house, which means something would have had to have happened very, very soon after he left. He could have gotten to his house within those 10 minutes, but it doesn't seem very likely So if Timmy is involved, what did he do and why? And the other hard part is the fact that you can't track Shane's cell phones because like we said, 10 minutes after he leaves his parents' house, they go go completely dead. So it's like in any other case, you could probably track those cell phones and see exactly where he went afterwards. Maybe he and Timmy went out to a uh, secluded location. We don't know. So that makes this incredibly hard. So what we do know is that Timmy seems to either need money or just he's just into stealing because for the thrill of it or God knows why. But as we discussed as well, you know, Shane had that $5,000, gave Timmy $1,000 for his uh, duties in that job. Right. So did Timmy feel slighted in some way? Like, hey, you owe me more money than just a thousand bucks. Like you're taking four thousand, and I only get one thousand. Right. Is so that a possibility? Was money the motive then? Did he, if again, if he's involved, did Timmy want to kill Shane to get that money, or was there an accident? Did they get into a fight and then Shane died accidentally, and then he had to cover it up? Again, this is just speculation, but... One thing I really want to know is why Shane's duplex was broken into just days before he disappeared off the face of the earth. Like, what was the reasoning there? Sadly, there is a whole lot of questions and not a lot of answers. Yeah, and the Donahues really need all the help that they can get. If you have any information regarding Shane Donahue's disappearance, please contact the Prince William County Crime Solvers at 703 670-3700. The Donahues are offering $5,000 for information, and Crime Solvers is offering $1,000. You can also contact the Prince William County Police Department at 703-792-6500. The Donahues have also been working with a private investigator who goes by the name of Chuck, 
And you can also contact him personally with information at 540-295-8977. Somebody knows something. much everybody for listening to this episode of going west yes thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and on friday we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into yes and again we're so sorry about kind of the lack of information in this story but sometimes heath and i like to you know use our platform for those kind of stories that do have a little bit less information just so we can try to help in any way that we can because sadly not every case has this slew of details available at our fingertips and those cases matter too. Exactly. And it's been 10, over 10 long years since Shane disappeared. Actually, almost ex- or just exactly 12. Yeah, exactly. So please, please share this story as much as you can. Let's put some pressure on investigators to help solve this case because I really do feel like it's solvable. We haven't talked about our socials in a while, but we posted photos of Shane and that's where you can find photos from every single case. If you want to see photos of the victims, you want to share or reshare our posts. Our Instagram is at Going West Podcast, Twitter at Going West Pod. Then we have two Facebook groups. We have just Going West True Crime. And then we have a private discussion group where Heath and I are consistently in there talking to you guys about true crime. And that's just Going West Discussion Group. Also, if you want to give us a case suggestion, head on over to our email goingwestpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a suggestion there and we really appreciate them. Yes, please know in advance though that we get literally so many of those emails every single day and we're already kind of very much booked ahead. We're backlogged. So we have so many cases. So please understand that it might take us a while to get to the one that you suggest, um, but we do our best to try to prioritize certain cases. And um, yeah, so... Thank you in advance for suggesting cases and thank you so much for listening. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger.